Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, talking about the destruction of the temple. Jesus said, There will not be one stone left upon top of another that shall not be thrown down before the coming of the Son of Man. We know that Titus, son of Vespasian, fulfilled that prophecy in 70 AD, and then three years later, Masada, when Jesus talked about a fig tree. In verse 34 of Matthew 24 said verily that verse 32 I'm sorry now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth its leaves you know that summer is nigh and he tells about the various things that would happen that the body of Christ would be hated for his namesake some would be delivered up and be killed and you would be hated of all nations for my name's sake this is not just the nation Israel this is for the namesake of Jesus the body of Christ is called by his name Israel the national Israel is not called by the name of Jesus yes it is his city Jerusalem yes it is his nation Israel but they're not called by his name Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Though he's talking about great tribulation there, that we at the body of Christ will go through and immediately after the tribulation of those days. It states it very clearly. It's not before or during the tribulation. It's after the tribulation of those days. But how do we know it's great tribulation? Because it says, pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath days, for then shall be a time of great tribulation. This never was such was a nation, no, nor ever shall be again. And except those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, the elect of God, the ecclesia, the church, those days will be shortened. For the Lord will do a short work. He will cut it short in righteousness. That's in truth. Not unrighteousness, because God himself will send strong delusion that all of them might be damned who had pleasure in unrighteousness. And God himself said he would send the strong delusion. Those that believe a lie, not the real Jesus, but a false Christ, a false Jesus. And many will come of my name saying I'm Christ and shall deceive many. So it's talking about a time when all these things begin to come to pass. And when he says that, he says, when you see all these things, these things spoken that Jesus said are the beginning of birth pangs, not for Israel, but for the church, the church to bring forth Jesus in them, the generation that shall be counted for the seed, that Christ generation. That's the reason in Matthew 1, You'll see there's 42 generations, but it's broke down into three different uh, divisions. The first division, Abraham to David, uh, will be 14 generations. From David to the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations. Then from the carrying away into Babylon unto Jesus is 13 generations, who is called Christ, 14 generations. So the 42nd generation is the Christ generation. So when Jesus 
is referring to this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. He's talking about the Christ generation, not a generation. He was talking about living in the days of his flesh, not in the Pentecostal realm and the book of Acts. He's talking about the final generation of the Christ generation that will show forth greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. There, Jesus stated, these works that I do shall you do also. Well, what works did Jesus do? He did redemption miracles, showing that he is the resurrection and the life. Those are redemption miracles. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils, opened blind eyes, loosed the dumb tongue, the lame walked, and the captive went free. Blessed is he whomsoever is not offended in me. Those are redemption miracles. But he said, and greater works than these shall you do. Well, what's that? Well, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's given to us to know what that is. Because it's Jesus only. He takes with him Peter, James, and John up into a mountain apart. And there in Matthew 17, Jesus is transfigured before them. But there also appears Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three sakus, three booths, three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he was not what he said. He didn't know why he said it. But then we see it was when Peter, James, and John looked up, they saw Jesus only. Why? Because Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. The Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently in me forever. He's the one doing the works. He is the one that is healing the sick, cleansing the leper, raising the dead, casting out devils, open blind eyes, loosing the dumb tongue, the lame walking, you have to go on free. It's the Father. Jesus is the Father. But then there was Moses. But the reason they say Jesus only was because it was not Moses doing those judgment miracles upon Egypt in the exodus of Israel from Egypt. It was Jesus only, the Christ. It was not Moses doing those judgment miracles. It was the Christ in Moses. We have that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. All the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them, when it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. First and foremost, the Spirit of Christ that was in them is how the Old Testament prophets prophesied. Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi all prophesied by the Spirit of Christ, which Christ is uh, that Spirit. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He's El Shaddai. He's Elohim. He is the Lord Jehovah. He is the Tetragrammaton. He is the Yahweh. He is Jehovah. That's the Spirit, which is Christ. Now, that's the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. The office there in Colossians 2 is not Son of God, it's not son of man. 
It's not word. It's not Holy Ghost. The office of the Spirit referred to there is the Father. God is a Spirit. And Christ is that Spirit. But the office spoken there, or the function of the Spirit, is the Father to the full acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What? In the Father, which is God, which is Christ. That in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's the Father revealed. God manifests in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16. Though Jesus stated that, what is righteousness when it's revealed by the Holy Ghost? The world will be, will be reproved of sin and of righteousness and of judgment when the Holy Ghost comes. Christ. It's the promise of the Father, which Jesus said, you've heard of me. The Spirit of the Son is the Spirit of the Father, one and the self, same Spirit. Somebody say, why do you say self-same? Because there's only one self, and that is that spirit of God, which is Jesus Christ. It is that spirit. He is that spirit. He is the Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. So in John 16, Jesus states, when the Holy Ghost has come, that's him, himself. While he was in the world, in his humiliated state, in the days of his flesh, with his disciples, he said, I'll pray the Father send you another comforter, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Well, Jesus was dwelling with his disciples. They could see him. But then he said a profound statement, and I shall be in you. Now, that won't happen until he's glorified. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And he did on the day of Pentecost, just as he stated in Matthew 16. Some of you will not taste of death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, Jesus Iscariot had already hung himself and his bowels gushed out. Howbeit, most were alive on the day of Pentecost and they saw Jesus coming in his kingdom. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Ghost given. In John 16, Jesus said, now when that Holy Ghost has come, that is himself, that quickening spirit, that he, the man, has been made a quickening spirit, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. He said it, the, that Holy Ghost would reprove the world of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said, of righteousness because I go to my Father. Righteousness? Well, grace reigns through righteousness. We need to pay real attention to that and notice that grace is not alone because it reigns through something. It reigns through righteousness. It reigns through that revelation. Grace comes to us at the revelation of Jesus, 1 Peter 1. And what is that? That grace reigns through righteousness and a righteousness is obtained through obedience. We see that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are you the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin and the death, or 
of obedience unto righteousness, which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, Jesus said, the Holy Ghost will reprove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, focusing on righteousness because that's how grace reigns. It is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon the believer's heart and its outward reflection in life. And Jesus stated that in John 16, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs. I'm not going to speak to you anymore in hidden parables, hidden Proverbs, no dark things. I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. Well, that's what's been hid. The mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9, in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, how will it be revealed in the last days? Well, Jesus states this revelation in righteousness, what righteousness is. We certainly need to pay attention to it because righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. God said the wicked will be turned into hell and the nation that forgets God. Turned into hell? Yes. And he states that in John 16, that I'm not going to speak any more to you in Proverbs. I'm going to show you plainly the Father. And he goes on and says, I proceeded from the Father and I came into the world. To proceed is the same spirit coming into the world. Not a lesser spirit, not a spirit junior, not a second person of the Godhead, God himself, the Father, Emmanuel, God with us. The Father revealed. God manifest in the flesh. Not God junior, God himself. God was manifest in the flesh, justifying the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, received up, believed on the world, received up in the glory. 1 Timothy 3.16. Well, Jesus said, I'm not going to hide anymore. Show you plainly of the Father that he is the Father. He is and always has been God. He is that spirit and always has been. Then he goes on and says, I proceeded from the Father. I go back to the Father. I came from God, same spirit, went back to God, not beside him, not around him, not standing beside him, to him. We see that in Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's a place I prepared for you in the flesh. But where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, a forever settled state of glory, set down with my Father in his throne, not around it, not beside it, in it, because he is that spirit. That last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That same Jesus whom you crucified, God had made him both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, that spirit, the quickening spirit, Acts 2.36. We see that last Adam made a quickening spirit in 1 Corinthians 15.45. He is that blessed and only potentate, omnipotent God, almighty God, 1 Timothy 6.15, who only hath immortality. He is that spirit. That man has entered into that light which no other man could enter into, nor see, nor can see, 1 Timothy 6.15, 16. 
So that's righteousness, that he is God, he is the Father, and there is not another. There's nothing beside the throne, beside around the throne. God said, I'm the only God. I There's none beside me. I know not any. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Shall there be evil in the city? And I, the Lord God, have not done it. See, now that I am God and beside me, there is no other God. We see that in Isaiah 43.10. Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory, the Spirit, and my servant whom I have chosen. Well, it sounds like there's two, but there's not. That's the mystery. That's the true Godhead. That's the true Jesus. That's the real Jesus. Isaiah 43.10 states that. Thus saith the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the Spirit of God, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the invisible Spirit of God, that is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. All-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand, wants us to understand who he is. That I am he. God is that servant. And he tells us how. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body. The Father of glory revealed. Emmanuel, God with us, not a trinity. That's unrighteousness. Binary, two-ness, that is hypocrisy. That is a false god, a demigod, the God-man, a demigod. The oneness, that the man's not God, but has God in him. False doctrine, an antichrist. The Jesus-only doctrine is that the man Christ Jesus in the days of his flesh worked as a man, not as a God-man, as a man, fulfilling the law because by one man's disobedience sin came into the world and death by sin. Therefore, God had to have a man. He looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself. Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 63, 5. God's own arm, his own body of flesh. In the book of Hebrews, Paul tells us that in the volume of the book, it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God, for a body thou hast prepared me. The me is God. God has prepared himself a body. Body in the volume of the book. It is written of everything in the book and the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is the Lord Jesus. Search the scriptures, for in them we think we have eternal life, and these are they that Jesus stated testifies of me. Not of us, but of me. So we've left the foundation of one God. We've left the foundation of the truth and denying the only Lord God. So God in his judgments will reveal himself as the only true God, and now when he rises to do these judgments, then all may know him, from the least to the greatest. They all will know him. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. 
all will know him from the least to the greatest. Through judgments, for when judgments are in the earth, men will learn righteousness, which grace reigns through righteousness. What is this? What are these things when they begin to come to pass? Know that it is nigh, even at hand. Well, birth pains. When these you see these things, know that it is at hand. These are the beginning of sorrows. Kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. Wars, rumors of wars. Why wars? Well, we know that in James 4 has given us a, why there are wars. Men, uh, they're lust after the things of the flesh, and therefore there are wars among you. They're fighting over land and possessions or whatever the case is. And power struggles. Well, that's wars. But what does God use these nations for? Why? Does God sift the house of Israel, the house of God? Judgment must first begin at the house of God. That is not national Israel. That's the church. And the righteous scarcely be saved. That's the righteous of God. Where shall the end of the sin and the ungodly appear? Well, judgment must first begin at the house of God. Deuteronomy 32 tells us, Is this not sealed up among my treasures? What treasures? Well, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. What's the excellency of the power? Through the body of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the last day, great revival in revealing Jesus in and through the body of Christ, consummating in the second coming of the Lord. Never been a work like that before not even in the book of Acts. That's what Jesus is stating in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, when all these things begin to come to pass, lift up your eyes for your salvation draweth nigh. All these things. Well, he's talking about kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, wars, rumors of war, famine, earthquakes in diverse places, famine, pestilence, sword, noisome beast. These are the beginning of, not the end, the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of birth pains for the church to bring forth Jesus in her. And we see that in Revelation 12. And we're saying, no, that's Israel. No, that is the, the church of the living God that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's not national Israel. And that Jesus' ministry will last for time, times, and dividing of a time, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days, just as Jesus stated, I've gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, the Jesus ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity, unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God. And knowledge is full glory. It's not just knowing Jesus after the spirit and not after the flesh, gnosko, the Greek word. It's epigonosko, much higher, epi. Epigonosko, well, that is coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto perfection. That's what he stated. Unto a perfect man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Growing up into Jesus in all things, all truth. And when you see all these things begin to come to pass, know, know that it is nigh, even at hand. That is the coming of the Lord. But before then, there's a great work. God's using the nations right now. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. And you'll see it in Amos 9, verse 9. What's God doing with the nations? He'll command and sift the house of Israel among the nations. And not, le- not the least grain will fall to the ground. So there's a sifting going on among the nations. Haggai says that in the 21st day of the seventh month, that is not Pentecost, that's tabernacles. That is the time of the Feast of Trumpets and Ministry, voice of Jesus. That at that time, the 21st day of the seventh month, he said, I will shake all nations. Why would you shake the nations? Because the nations is God's sifter. That's how he sifts the wheat from the chaff. And the nations are his sifter. And he says that there's a sifting going on among the nations. Amos 9 verse 9. But not the least grain will fall to the ground. God will lose none of those believers that trust in him. Then he states in Amos 9.10, but I will destroy all the sinners of my people. Well, they missed the mark. They were God's people, but they missed the mark. They didn't go on in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus will say in that day, depart from me, you works of iniquity. I never knew you for you did not do the will of God. What was it? Where did they miss it? Well, Amos 9, 10, I will, but I will destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword. Well, many people say there's peace, but Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace, but rather a sword. There's a sword. What did they say? Jesus said, but I will destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. No tribulation, no persecution, no birth pangs will come upon us. That's how the devil destroys many. The Antichrist, by peace, will destroy many. That's Wormwood, stating peace when there is no peace. And the nations, when we see wars and rumors, wars, it's just God sifting. God sifting the nations, shaking them. And that shaking, when he shakes all the nations, not the least grain will fall to the ground, Amos 9, verse 9. But Haggai 2 says, when God arises to shake the nations, that the desire of all nations will come, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come the perusia, the latter rain. We see that because he said, all the silver and gold is mine, and I'll make the glory of the latter house, the church, greater than that of the former, the former rain. So the latter rain will be greater than the former rain, the last great reign of his strength. And this is where we're headed now. This is what we're in now. We're seeing Russia and Ukraine. We're seeing China sitting back and looking at Taiwan. We see the Iranian proxy and the Israel. Now all the things that are going on there, wars and rumors of wars. Jesus stated that in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. When you see all these things 
They're just the beginning of birth pains for the church to bring forth Jesus in fullness measure the statue of Jesus Christ. Doing the works that Jesus did, not only in the redemption miracles that Jesus did, showing that he is the resurrection of life, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, raising the dead, casting out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, the lame walking taffy going free, but also the judgment miracles of Moses in that God said that he would famish all the gods of the earth. Zephaniah 2. All the gods of this earth, the lust of the eye, the pride of the life, and the lust of the flesh. And the world passes away. All the gods of this world will be famished, destroyed. That's what the body of Christ will do in the judgment miracles of Moses, which is Christ in you. And then there are the restoration, the restoration, the restitution of all things, of all truth. Jesus stated that in Matthew 17, coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration, a mountain apart. Sees Peter, James, and John up there with them, and they see Peter sees and, and James and John see Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And he said, it's good for us to be here, Lord. Let us build three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Why? The thing that God is revealing there, Jesus is revealing that it's not Moses or Elijah that are doing those judgment miracles or restoration miracles. It's Christ. They see Jesus only. And he's transfigured before them. His face shone as it were the sun. Why? Because God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. It shines forth as the sun. What do you see? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and out of ourselves. What does it reveal? The Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Well, what about that? Well, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's the law of liberty. That's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which we walk and are led by the Holy Ghost. Then what happens? Then we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, the very same image of Jesus, not seeing through a glass darkly now as in Pentecost, but seeing clearly changing into the same image of Jesus Christ. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. God's doing it now. But their wars are going to increase. They're going to accelerate. So will the earthquakes in diverse places. So will famines, pestilences. That's going to accelerate. Why? Because the coming of the Lord's drawing nigh. So we shouldn't be soon shaking in mind. Because Jesus said these things don't, don't, uh, uh, be beside yourself because these are just the beginning of sorrows. It's the beginning of it, the beginning of the birth pain. But the church, the mystery Babylon, the worldly church will say, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrows. I won't see any, I will not see any birth pains. She thinks she's already got it. She's already perfected. Well, God said in one hour, so greater riches will come to naught. The prosperity gospel will come down to the ground and great will be the destruction of Babylon. All that thy soul lusted after. 
will come crashing to the ground. In one hour, so great a riches that come to naught. They will bewail her. Babylon the, Babylon the great is destroyed. It's fallen, it's fallen. How great a fall will that be? We, the body of Christ, will have ourselves measured, just as Jesus stated, that in Zephaniah 2, I'm sorry, Zechariah 2, there's a measuring line and going to measure the temple of God. We find that in Revelation 11. The body of Christ, we, the body of Christ, will be measured. Given unto John, saying, Rise. A reed like unto a rod, given unto me, saying, Rise, measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. Three things measured. Number one, the temple. We are the temple of God, the body of Christ. The ecclesia, the called out one. And the altar. That's your sacrificial life. You present your body as a living sacrifice. That's the altar. And them that worship therein. Well, we're going to be measured as to our worship. We have to worship God in spirit. Not only that, but in truth also. Some have truth, but no spirit. Some have spirit, no truth. In spirit and in truth. That's charity. Rejoices in the truth. Bonded not accept, not easy, puffed up, seeketh not his own. Rejoices in the truth. And charity is the final stage of glory. Adding to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, which is the bond or guarantee of perfectness. It's the bond. It's the glue that puts the body of Christ literally fitly framed together and compacted together, of which every joint supplies to the defying of itself in love to the measure of every part, growing up into Jesus and all things and all truth. That's what's happening now. So as you see, wars and rumors of wars, uh, uh, don't be moved because these things must come to pass. And they're going to accelerate. There will be wars and rumors of wars. What are the nations? The nations being, they're shaken. Is nothing but the sifting. It's a sifter that God uses the sifting among the nations, not the least grain, Falling to the ground. I must say, eight, nine, verse nine. And the nations to God are nothing but a spot to Him, are virtually nothing. And He takes the king's heart, is held and guided by the hand of the Lord. Everyone that rules the nations are simply upon in God's hand, working His will according to the will and purpose of God. Everything that is written, that that is determined, will be done. So we give God the thanks, the glory, because He is the everlasting God. Known to Him are all His works from the beginning to the end. Well, we love to hear from you. We're opening the JCIC.tv, a private site for those that want to grow up into Jesus and all things and all truth. This will be for you. I'll have a username and password. Check it out, JCIC.tv. It's opening very soon. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.